Well, um, I'm excited about tonight. I don't know if you noticed the little gizmo out in the front, but this is our last Friday to meet in 2023. Every time I say that at the end of any year, there's always a temptation to want to evaluate the year. Are we all thrilled that it's over or are we you know, not? It was a pretty obvious call to make in like 2020 or something like that with COVID rampaging. Well, yeah, we got a better shot next year, you know? But uh, that isn't really what's on my heart about it right now. It's just, it's just the normal movement. It's just the normal flow forward that we're experiencing. And, and I think it's, it's going to be great. I, um, I'm looking very much forward to it because of Jesus. So that kind of influenced the title that I picked tonight uh, of what I'm going to share. Where is the Lord taking us as we follow him in 2024? So there's two thoughts there that I just want you to have in your mind. And then I'm going to read something that I believe the Lord spoke to me about. We're going somewhere and he's taking us. And then we're following. And that was the same commission that he gave uh, Andrew, for instance, or that he gave the, the early disciples. Follow me, you know, follow me. And so for some reason, the idea that Jesus is with us and taking us someplace is obvious, and it's uh, super gospel-centered and biblical. And it's also, it takes a certain amount of pressure off trying to figure out where to go. And I think we should allow the peace of that to be real to us. And second, then our job is to follow, which means we don't have to necessarily know the way or know the way all the way. Because he's the way. And so he's going to take us someplace and go before us. And I remember in the book of Acts, it talks about, you know, when it's going through the, the, the early days, it says, and Jesus went about with the disciples, doing good, healing, and doing various things. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a cool concept of him being there. So anyway, that's what we're going to jump in real quick. But I want to read something, because uh, I've been working on, on what, what we're going to talk about a little bit, and I always end up asking the Lord repeatedly. Uh, Adam and, uh, had breakfast with us on Thursday, and we got talking about journaling a little bit, and he said, do, do you ask Lord questions? And uh, They come up. I usually start that. This one I started with Thanksgiving too, but that's irrelevant. It's kind of my own personal thing. But here was the question that I asked the Lord that I felt like the Lord spoke to me. That was, this was just this morning uh, pretty early. I said, what do we want to bring to and through your people tonight, Papa? Now, I already had something that I felt like you talked to me about and I've been working on. And turns out there are some scriptures associated with that today. But here's what I, I believe God said. And I'm always a little reluctant to read my journal because it's like you're adding some sort of significance to it or authority. And, and I don't think of it that way. I think it has a lot of authority in my life. I don't think it necessarily has, you know, everyday message for you, except this is about you guys and it's about us. So that's why I'm going to read it. So this is what I, I uh, felt like Papa said. Help them see their own participation in the upcoming year, their part in the connections that supply growth and love. Share that you see the importance, talking about me, Share that you see the importance of each of them finding and engaging in their unique walk and voice with me by my spirit. And so I want to tell you, 
I think what you have to say is super important. And if you guys have been here through the last few months and, and the way the sabbatical worked out, you know that Vicki and I were just stunned. Not that you had beautiful things to say. We, we expected that. We were stunned at the impact of it. We were stunned at the relevance of, of it in the hearts and minds of people. And then after that, the Lord began showing me stuff like the idea of joy and the countenance of his face and all of that sort of thing and the importance of community. Even in the middle of this, Ronnie had gotten a joylandcommunity.com website that he just felt like getting months ago or maybe even a year ago. And, uh, and we've started developing that around the idea that it's a Joyland community and a family. So anyway, I want you to know this. I want you to know that I know how important what Jesus is doing in your life is and the things he's saying to you. And it sounds almost condescending, like, like I'm in some position to say that and it count for something that is anywhere close to what's already going on in your life. And, and, but, but for what it's worth, trying to obey what the Lord said, there's nothing that I have to say that in any way is more important than what you have to say based on what Jesus is doing in your life. Now, maybe it's strategic in some ways, and I'm not denouncing gifting or you know, teaching, passion, whatever, but I just want to reinforce you are super important. And what God says to you and does through you and gives you, shows you, when you pray your prayers, they're really, really important. They're central to the way God organized the church and the kingdom. And we're coming to recognize it a little bit more. So take yourselves a little seriously. <laughs> Try to put into words how important I am coming to understand that to be. That's what I just did. Help them begin to see the priority that all of you are going to make of the finding and the releasing of each of your voices and each of your giftings. Be open about your learning curve. Talked about mine. But you can also be confident in success to come because I am with all of you in this purpose. Show them that they have to be willing to connect with you, me, me and others to and experience the release of the thing in them that will spark growth in love. When I talk about growth in love, I'm just, I'm talking, and I think even when the Lord's talking about it, he's talking about that, personal growth, growing in joy, growing in fellowship, maybe growing in people that we can touch and, and influence, growing in our relationship online with, with the Zoomers. That was something that is a big deal to me. You guys are important. We're going to, things are going to get better as far as what we can do with you and for you, and what you can do with and for us. So show them that they have to be willing to connect with you and others and see and experience the release of this thing in them that will spark growth and love. And then the Lord reminded me of the old King James Version of this, where two or three agree is touching. Where two or three agree is touching anything, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. And he said, that's a real definition of what a joint is. It's two or three similar things, like minded people touching for a common purpose. And, and when I mean a joint, you know, like your knee joint, it's two bones with the various things, and it magnifies power, and it, it focuses energy, and does stuff like that. And we'll, we'll, you'll see a little scripture here in a minute. 
Give the people a vision of their part, their voice, their important place in the whole body of Joyland and of Joyland's part and voice in the connection with other parts of my body. So don't be surprised if we're connected beyond ourselves. Don't be surprised if you're connected beyond yourself. Dave's on a venture now reading Amazon books. Where, where might that lead? Jessica's got some new projects that she's working on. Jason and I are working on some stuff. But it's not just one or two people. It's us, all of us. All of us, and you're going to see that in just a little bit. Um, so give God a, a vision of their part, their voice in the important place in the body of Joyland, and Joyland's part and voice in connection with other parts. This is how I give you, my little flock, the kingdom. I give it to you as image-bearing participants, not merely as passive recipients. This is how it must be, because the kingdom is not a static possession. I give it as a living relationship of righteousness that is right standing in relationship, of peace, which is a safe, secure rest, and of belonging, and of joy, which is reacting to the light on my face as I constantly turn toward you, and as you turn toward me to reveal our love for one another. This living, unshakable relationship is the kingdom that I delight to give to you. This is what the Lord was saying to me about us. Be secure in my love and delight. Walk in my light. Trust in my consuming fire. Live by my Spirit's presence, guidance, and power in you and in your community's daily life. See in new revealings what the kingdom of the Son of my love is like. And then this was instruction to me. Anchor this in Scripture, but don't try to teach it. Declare it to them and over them. There'll be time enough to teach. Tonight is a time for declaration and release. So, I give you permission to be the judge of whether I obey that last part or I get lost in <laughs> some other mode. But, uh, Anyway, if anybody wants a copy of that, there's there are a few of them sitting here. Journaling doesn't always uh, I, it doesn't always sound like a prophetic word, but I think it always is what we talk about as a prophetic word. You know, when, when the Lord starts speaking to you, you pray, He answers, you have a dialogue. Uh, we just need to take it seriously that it's real, and, and it really struck me this morning. So I hope that's an encouragement. I hope it explains the context of what I'm going to talk about. Okay, so here's that passage that this uh, that I've been working on, but this thing started to be built around. Uh, this is out of the New American Standard. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service to the building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure and the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And the question that I have there, and the question I want to ask you, is 
who are the people of focus in this revelation about the church? And I can still vividly remember how excited I was about this verse when I was in Bible college because I thought, wow, I'm probably going to be a pastor or a teacher. I didn't really have an ambition for the other things. And then, you know what I'm saying? So one choice is that. The answer to the question could be, in some of your minds, well, so he gave some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Now, I, we've talked about this idea of taking a fresh look at who the important people and parts of scriptures are. And obviously, Christ is the important one. He's the one that gives the gifts. And he's the king and all this kind of stuff. So I'm not stepping away from that, but I'm talking about us as people, people in the church. So we, we could, and many people do make a case that, that, that these are the, the people of focus, people of most significance. The other choice is the saints. That's the rest, uh, everybody else. You know, people Jesus died for that are following. Some of you are some of those things, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. All of us are saints. So I think the answer is saints now. I think the people who focus on this are not apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Let me explain why. The purpose of those guys and gals is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service. Now, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure and stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. I have to confess that early in my ministry and for many, many years, I thought that the attaining of those goals that I just read, uh, the uh, building up of the body of Christ, attaining the unity of faith, uh, the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature man, measure and stature, I thought that that, that that did mean that the people of focus in here were the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But it cannot be. It cannot be. Yes, sir? <laughs> Larry likes people asking questions. No, I do. I love people asking Larry questions. Larry likes people asking questions. I was just amused by your <clears throat> posture. Well, they were laughing at you. Yeah. I understand. Don't let it don't So let it on the, the scripture there, you're, you were talking about who's this for, kind of. Actually, who's most important there? Who's, who's most the important? Okay. And most important is probably a judgment that I, I'm not capable of rendering. Jesus wouldn't have given people to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers if they weren't important. But gifts, even Doris's example of a gold-plated airplane, gifts don't exceed the value of the people they're given to. They speak of the value. Right? So my question is, how come we didn't go a little further and highlight the body of Christ? It's right before 13. I know. Okay, so I jumped ahead, I guess. Sorry. It's okay. I don't get to do that often, so it's fun. Yeah. It, 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 it is, the body of Christ is what's important, growing that way. But look at what, how does the growth happen is what I'm saying. How does the growth happen in the body? Does it happen because you have a, a good collection of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in a church? No. Matter of fact, there's a lot of churches that have some amazing apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And people 
Sometimes grow in there and sometimes they don't. It's just the truth. You can go to those kind of churches and I'm not uh, here to rag on this. I'm here to, to, to say what causes the growth. And it's this, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects. That's not apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers. That's the body. That's the people. That's the saints. We are to grow up in all aspects of him who is the head, even Christ. He's the one that obviously is going to produce life and does produce life in us. But we're the ones that are growing up into all aspects of him from whom the whole body being fitted and held together. How? By what every joint supplies. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are a part of the joint-making process because they're a thing that can join with another thing. And I'm not saying that's not good, but that's not the, the ultimate thing that causes the body to grow. It's the connection between you guys. You and me, you and each other, us and the people around us, our church and other churches. By what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, and again, each individual part is not very comprehensively defined by apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in this verse. Each individual part is the unique voice and gift of the people that the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have helped grow up and open their mouth and pour out their gifts in their hands and have confidence. The proper working of each part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So our hope of the Lord taking us someplace that he talked about rests in us. It rests in you and I and it rests in you connecting and me connecting and other people. Yeah, come on. Yeah, it got me thinking about a, your change in focus there about a war in battle. It's easy. I think what we've traditionally thought, or how we looked at that, is it would be the equivalent of saying generals fight wars and they're the ones that win wars. And it's like, no, generals don't fight wars. The guys on the ground right. fight wars. Right. Generals coordinate. In fact, even if you look at a guy like Patton, one of his famous quotes was... Um, an army fights on its, what do you say, fights on its belly. Basically, his implication yeah, yeah, yeah. is, if I can't produce the logistics chain to support those men to do the things that they do, mm -hmm. they can't win. Yeah. And so the job of those people is the logistics to equip those people who actually do the fight. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and if, think about it. If you use Patton's illustration and, and uh, lack of logistics led to passivity, well, we can all understand that passivity in an army is not going to win a war, right? Yeah. People are going to have to take initiative. And so that's what I think the Lord was talking about when he said, encourage everybody that they have to connect with other people. And right. you have to believe in your voice. You have to believe in your gifts. And, and again, one of the things that I saw in the sabbatical is I can deny you that by just talking too much. <laughs> yes, sir, Ronnie. But I would not do that. One of my favorite scriptures is search my heart, O God, uh -huh. and let me know if there's anything in in there that's not functioning as originally intended. Yep. 
Now that's a funky translation, but that's what I think it means. Okay. And where it says the proper working of each individual part, each part that seems really relevant. I mean, that's what jumped out at me is the idea that each part can ask God Me to too. search their heart so they can function as originally intended. Yeah. And that would be the proper working of each individual. Part, yeah, I think so. And I, I don't think that we can actually know it until it starts working. There's not a list that you d measure somebody's proper individual part working for it. You need to be you. And you need to be you. And you need to be you. And you're valuable. And the problem is we don't always know that. We don't always know. We don't always know that we're valuable because we're comparing ourselves with other people who have found perhaps their part or their way. So anyway, this is a pace of the Lord's leading us. You started it. No smirking. Uh, so I, I included... N.T. Wright's version of this, just because it reads different. And so maybe uh, a little bit of a different scripture read here for a second will help us break out of that. We'll help us break out of that. So these gifts were the gifts, these were the gifts he gave. Some were apostles, others prophets, others evangelists, others pastors and teachers. Their job is to give God's people the equipment they need for their work of service. And of course, their work of service is the work of service of the people, right? So I love this. It, it, it put it in a better perspective to me. When it says, these guys and gals, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, their job, your job as a, one of these apostles is not more important than the people you serve with that job. And, and, and that's really the truth everywhere, right? Your job finds its value not in just you doing it. It finds its value in the, in the product or the service that's rendered. As a result of that, your job in reading books, it, 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 it defines a little bit about you and it gives you a little bit of, I mean, it rightfully gives you a little bit of reward, you know, financial reward and, and stuff. But the real issue of you reading a book is somebody's idea. You're, you're becoming a middleman between somebody's idea and somebody's heart and mind. And when they explode with this knowledge and when it has the effect on them, that's what your purpose really gets fulfilled in, right? And it's the same way with this. So it's it's the it's the it's the every part doing its things. So we'll keep going. The purpose of this, uh, yes, to build up the king's body. The purpose of this is that we should all reach unity in our belief and loyalty in knowing God's Son. I like that a little bit because we're all on a journey. We don't all believe the same thing. We don't have to believe the same thing. But we are walking the same direction, and that direction is governed by where Jesus is. We're going after him. And you can approach him from 360 degrees, so that means that people are going to be coming from every different direction. But Jesus is the one that governs where we go. It's not an independent decision. It's not something that your apostle decides or your prophet decides or anything like this. And if you look at Paul's life, he was following what God was doing with people. He had stuff he was teaching and all this kind of stuff, but he, he was a pretty good example of this, I think. Um, then we shall reach the stature of the mature man measured by the standard of the king's fullness. As a result, we won't be babies any longer. Now that is talking about all of us, not just the apostles, prophets, and banished teachers. We won't be babies any longer. 
We won't be thrown this way and that on the stormy sea, blown about by every gust of teaching by human tricksters, by their cunning and deceitful scheming. Instead, we must speak the truth in love. So, and I know you guys know this, and I'm, I'm not suggesting you don't. Look at, I mean, most of the time when I look at that or hear anybody talking about that, they're emphasizing that you have to speak with love. I'm on, I think that's a given. And I think you know it. And we'll emphasize that. But don't omit the first criteria. You have to speak. <laughs> because if you don't speak, you can't speak with love. And the Lord will correct us if we speak without love. It's not that big a deal. We must speak the truth in love and so grow up in everything into him. Think of that. So Vicky did a snap talk. And the point that keeps coming back from people that heard it, some of you guys, and what she said was, don't withhold, something like this, right? Don't withhold what the Lord has given you. That's another way of saying, speak. That's actually why I read that. Because he spoke and he said, be an example of that. And the Lord's talking to you. He's talking to you in dreams. He talks to you through the scripture. He talks to you in your studies. He talks to you in some of your ideas and your talents and your gifts. So speak. Because, look what it says here. We must speak the truth in love and there's a connection, a causative connection, cause effect, and so grow up in everything into him. That is into the king who is the head. He supplies the growth that the whole body needs, linked as it is and held together by every joint which supports it. The body is not held together. An individual church, Joyland, is not held together by a pastor or an apostle or anything like that. They're held together by you and you and you and you and you and everybody that consists of that community speaking the truth that they get from Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And it's, it just goes back to the revelation I got during the sabbatical, watching you guys be amazing and speak amazing things, is that it's not that we've ever tried to suppress that, but we haven't made room for it. 24 is going to be different. It's different right now a little bit. Uh, that is the king who is the head. He supplies the growth uh, linked and held together by every joint. We support each member doing its proper work. Then the body builds itself up in love. So where we're going, where Jesus is taking us in 24, is into a being built up in love here. No matter what goes on with politics. No matter what goes on with other weird things. Even no matter what goes on in the individual circumstances of our life. Those don't usurp this reality. What they can do, if they're distracting or they're negative or they're challenging, what they can do is they can cause you not to speak. Not to speak out what God is speaking in. They can even cause you to think that you don't hear. That he isn't speaking to you. But to do so, you would have to denounce a truth that is really, really basic. My sheep hear my voice. 
He's the Word. He does talk. You can hear him, and we can cultivate that. So you have confidence in it. Okay, so here's a couple of scriptures that support the necessity for your voice and your connection with others. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. These are all from, uh, I think, all until the last ones are from Wright's translation. So where does this leave us, my brothers and sisters? When you come together, one person has a psalm, another some teaching, another a revelation, another a tongue, and some other interpretation. Let everything be done for the general upbuilding. Do you see how that fits? A pastor makes room for that. An apostle organizes a structure to support that. An evangelist encourages people with the news, I know something about you don't, a you that you don't know. God loves you and he's speaking to you and you can hear him. What's he saying? Or some version of that. Okay. In Matthew 18, again, let me tell you the truth. If two of you come to an agreement on earth about any matter that you want to ask, it will be done for you by my Father. Yes, where two or three come together in my name, I'll be in the midst of them. I am so... I am genuinely remorseful that there were so many years in my life of ministry where I saw this as a formula to try to get answered prayer. That somehow I could twist the arm of the Lord by getting in proper agreement with a couple other powerful people. How about it just be Jesus saying, I want you to be together. I want you to be together. And I want you to explore who you are and who your your friends are and who the other people are. Because the juice is not in the formula. The juice is in Jesus in the midst of us. Now, can disagreement and can silence mute that? Yes, it can. And so I believe the Lord is leading us into an understanding this year where we're going to keep practicing and we're going to keep stumbling and we're going to keep and it's going to be awesome. Because once you realize that not everything that you say has to be perfect to have use. Not everything you, you, you say has to be bracketed by thus saith the Lord. To be the Lord. Sometimes you can say that. But sometimes you can just say, I don't know about that. And that might fulfill that role where let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. I don't know if that sounds good or not. It doesn't, not everything has to be bracketed in spiritual language and come from a spiritual hierarchy. Here's one about the Father's delight to give us our kingdom. This is what you should search God for, or search for, God's kingdom. Then all the rest will be given to you. Don't be afraid, little flock. I put that in because the Lord said that, called us that. Don't be afraid, little flock. The Father is delighted to give you the kingdom. You mean we don't have to pry it out of his hands? No. No, we don't. 
God's kingdom, you see, isn't about food and drink, but about justice, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Anyone who serves Messiah like this pleases God and deserves respect from other people. So then let's find and follow the way of peace and discover how to build each other up. What you'll notice in there is what's missing that we've talked about a little tonight and that I used to think. It's about justice, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And anyone who serves Messiah like this pleases God. That doesn't mean you have to have a uh, title to your name. It doesn't mean you have to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, head ministry. Anyone who serves with justice, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Who here can speak and serve with one of those things? Who has? Who has? So come, sometime in your life, you've manifest, you've helped somebody have joy. Is there anybody that hasn't? That you encourage somebody to be at peace when they were upset? We've got to own this stuff, folks. Because it's the nature of the kingdom that the Father delights to give us. And it's not a future gift. Jesus came right out of the desert and said the kingdom of God is at hand. And he says, don't look over here, over there, up here, down here. The kingdom's within you. Okay. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. I think all of us could, could do that. So then, let's follow the way of peace and discover how to build each other up. That's part of the marching orders as we move forward. Discover how to build each other up. Because if some of you weren't able to raise your hand, it's not because you can't do it. It's because you've been convinced you can't do it. And you need to be unconvinced. So we're going to be on that journey. Two more scriptures to clarify who we need to recognize when we're thinking about the voice. And I I, I can't go into any detail about this at all, but I I saw a thing where uh, a church leader is an amazing, amazing speaker and teacher, but he's facing some real significant challenges right now. And If you were to ask the people, who's the voice of that church? The answer would almost always be the the leader. But that's not true. The leader is a guy who has been given by God or a gal so that the people can be the voice. Oh, back up. Sorry. Okay, so now we need to recognize what we're talking about when we're talking about voice. We're not talking about the commanding presence or the the homiletic style or the orating skills. We're talking about this. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. This is John at the beginning of Revelation. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the middle of the lampstand I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet and girded across his chest with a golden sash. So Tim, okay. He apparently looks that way a bunch of the time. I've still seen him in jeans in a in a flannel shirt though, which I'll have to talk about my flannel shirt here in a minute. His head and his hair were white like wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze 
when it had been made to glow in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of many waters. Who are we talking about? Jesus, right? His voice was like many waters. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to God, all you his bondservants who fear him, small and great. And then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous act of the saints. Now, I'm willing to admit that there's some interpretive liberty that we could take on this, but a voice came from the throne saying, give praise to our God, all you his bondservants who fear him, the small and the great. Who's that talking about? It's talking about us. It's talking about us. And then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and the sound of many waters and like the sound of a mighty peal of thunder saying hallelujah. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that this glimpse that John had revealed the reality of the voice of Christ that he saw early in that prophecy that sounded like many waters. Sounded that way because that was us. That was us that he had embraced. That was us that he had come to incarnate and be. That was us that he drew to himself when he was up on the cross. How can he not speak with many voices when he's speaking to his sheep? So I think you should take personal permission from this book in Revelation, this passage in Revelation, and instead of forcing it to be some future event, let it be a description of the role you play in in the voice of Jesus that sounds like many waters. And sometimes it'll be, and sometimes it'll be, it's not up to us to choose. It's up to us to speak and thereby cause the body to grow to the fullness and measure of stature of Jesus. That's where I think we're going. Now, all right, I'm going to change over, Greg, and we're ready for that video. So, a friend of mine named Rod Williams, on uh, he's a personal friend, and then a friend on Facebook, I got a, a notification that he had commented on a uh, video by uh, uh, by Linda DeToy, her husband's Francois that translated the Mirror Bible. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to meet them uh, or uh, be at a conference with them or anything along those lines, but I would feel comfortable saying that they are two of the sweetest, happiest, most secure people on the planet. And so anyway, I was interested that this video was uh, was with Linda. And when I watched it, I realized that the reason the Lord had done the connections through Rod and everything with me is because she's going to, I think, do a better job putting this to words than I was able to. So let's listen. 
So she had overrun. There you go. Francois not here. <laughs> and um, he always says to me, you can't just go to the bedroom. You haven't, I haven't made the bed. And um, it's in a bit of a mess. <laughs> I just wanted to quickly pop in. I know this time of the year we are so inundated with everybody sending wishes and just love all across this world and gifts and gifts and this morning I was sharing with some friends of ours in Basel, just chatting to them on FaceTime and I was reminded about the essence of Christmas, the essence of Christmas being Jesus. <laughs> Gifts across the world. It's like, and for some people, it's like, oh, like for us, the kids are on the way. We've had an exceptionally busy time with funds for getting everything ready that he did. He is amazing, amazing, amazing. Oh, I thank God for that man. <laughs> and um, so he quickly sneaked to town to go and see if he can buy something. Anyway, thinking of Christmas and some people, maybe you have money to buy a gift, maybe you don't have money, maybe people buy you stupid gifts or whatever, and uh, sometimes it just becomes too much. But I want to go back a little bit. I want to go back to the gift of all gifts, the gift of Christ. And what really struck me was that at the birth of Jesus, apparently he was wrapped in little pieces of cloth. <laughs> it wasn't like one soft, woolly, beautiful baby blanket or whatever. It was wrapped in little pieces of cloth in a manger, as we know, and in a stable. Um, you know why? <laughs> he, he could have been wrapped in gold, but to me that represented the biggest gift is the gift of Christ that is wrapped in little fragments, it couldn't just be a red or a blue or a little velvet or a little this or a little, it's little, all of that. Because ultimately, the gift of Christ is you, incarnate in you. God came and wrapped himself in the incarnation showing you that you, just as you are, you are his holy place, you are his sanctuary, you are the very expression of Christ. And I want to challenge you now, in this time, thank God for gifts. Thank God for 
beautiful Christmas trees and the lights and everything. I want to challenge you, though. The biggest gift you can give anybody is you. <laughs> Engage. Take a little bit of time. Connect. Touch. Hold. Embrace. In that doing, the, the very presence of the sweet Holy Spirit will minister grace and love and strength and hope. This is a time of hope where the world seems to be hopeless. We come to bring you hope. We will not give up because he has not given up. Because we are here. The body of Christ is here. <laughs> She's beautiful. She's altogether beautiful. She's wrapped around this whole planet. There's not a street in this world. There's not a nook or cranny on this planet where grace will not reveal Christ. Everyone walking, anyone sitting, eating, wherever you are, if you will open your eyes, you will see Christ. You will see Christ. You'll see Christ in your wife's eyes, in your kids' eyes. In the ones where maybe distance has creeped in and now you have to have Christmas together. Look afresh. Christ is there looking back at you. Remember, maybe you've been hurt and disappointed or whatever, but that was your love. What you are tapping into is the inexhaustible love. The love that took you to hell and back, the love that resurrected you and your beautiful family and your friends. Isn't it interesting? I was thinking that the garments that Jesus wore on the cross, they didn't want to tear it. It stayed whole. <laughs> because the whole world, everyone was included in this miraculous act. They couldn't tear it. So he came wrapped up in little pieces and he went into our death, into our hell, into our thoughts of exclusion and our thoughts of distance, our thoughts of judgment. And he has breathed by the Holy Spirit. She breathed into us. Oh, Father. Oh, Father, I'm your sanctuary. I am your representative. I'm your arms and your eyes, your ears and your hands. And I am what they need now to show them you have never left. We believed lies so long. So I want you to go and wrap yourself up. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
tonight, wherever you are, just when before you do Christmas, just go and wrap yourself up and say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, here I am. Unwrap me to your most favorite, most amazing, wonderful people across this planet. Let them see. And I thank you that in this doing we will find like the miracle of the five loaves and the two fish. We will find baskets full left over for us to lavish in. Your grace, your sweetness, your presence. We love you, Father. Thank you that you came to give expression to who you are. In Jesus, thank you for the mystery that now is no longer a mystery. The mystery that was hidden for ages and generations. We died in his death and we were resurrected in his resurrection. That we can find ourselves what we've been. Holy, blameless, innocent beautiful, gorgeous, without spot or wrinkle. The old does not matter anymore. Those old thoughts don't matter anymore. Those tattered garments, I've come to put on the whole garment of Christ. It fits me perfectly, like a glove, like a glove. I've got clothes in my cupboard that are just my favorite. I can't give them away because if I call them, they come running and I just happen to wear them and I'll wear them again and again. I love washing my clothes and wearing them again because they're so comfy. And you are that. You you make Jesus comfortable. I must go. I mustn't take too much of your time. I love you. End life video. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll leave this here. That's where we're going. That's where Jesus is leading us. So I'm wide open to your voice. Um, one of the things that God's kind of brought up to me is several years ago, um, this happened about three or four months period where I, I saw the number 1775. I'm used to seeing like 333 and other numbers and stuff like that. I kind of enjoy that type of a thing, but I had never seen 1775. And, I, and obviously I'd seen it so much that it caught my attention. And then I kept seeing and I kept seeing and I kept seeing it. And um, and I kept going, okay, God, I see it. I have no idea what this means. Okay, I see it. I have no idea what this means. You're more than welcome to tell me anytime now. Hello, I'm listening. And anyway, so this goes on. And finally, we have that conversation. And he said, there were battles that were fought in 1775 that led to the victory in 1776.
And he's been bringing that back around, saying that the battles that we fought in 2023, that we will see the victory in 2024. You know, I just really love that message that lady has, you know, really sweet gal. And it's a message that God's been giving me more and more, that the focus really needs to be on Jesus. He truly was God's gift to us. He's opened up all kinds of realms to us that I never realized that we had access to before. And now when you read the Word, and it's the living Word, and it's not just something you read, and then 10 minutes later, you what did I just read? You know, it's it's heartfelt. You know, it goes from here to here and here to here, but it's heartfelt. And I and I what God's impressed on me, if we just focus on his son and what his son has provided for us, everything that we think is a problem or a situation in our life is covered with Jesus' blood. He paid the price for us. And and it's you know, sometimes it takes a while for us for things to sink in. But this is really sinking in. I mean, I always say when the Holy Spirit is at work, the message is going to several people and several teachers. And it's what I'm hearing now from a lot of the teachers, from the prophets, from the pastors. They're talking about Jesus, where our real focus needs to be. And I think this next year is going to be tremendous. I think we're going to see things that we never thought we'd see before. And I'm excited about it. That's so great. Thank you. Zoomers, any thoughts? In my travels to and from Colorado Springs, I wore this cap that my grandson gave me, and uh, it says, Hooked on Jesus. And it was pretty interesting um the responses of different people and you know some side some people said ah you know they and then there's these side looks you know uh, but in 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 the waiting in chicago i sat down with this man and and um it was sort of interest really interesting that he looked at my age cap and then he joined in a conversation and it turned out that he lives where I grew up as a kid. And I thought, wow, that is, that is just quite awesome. And then we got into a, a nice discussion and so forth. But anyway, hooked on Jesus. Yeah, that is for sure. Amen. So I'm going to be skipping through some scriptures and get to the one that hit me in the heart. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. The eye cannot say to the hand, 
I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Who is the head Jesus. of the church? <laughs> wow. That's, that's good. That's good. It is. That's awesome. Because it, it fits with what I was just thinking. Um, we talk a lot about, um, when I listen to people speak, especially, you know, week after week, or listen on to somebody who's on YouTube or wherever, I kind of have the Jesus meter, which is, if I don't hear mention Jesus very often or never, I kind of have a little suspect. But there's also another side where, you know, we talk about Christ in us and all those verses we talked about. I see Jesus in you and so forth. And we can sometimes get to a place where we feel our only value is because Jesus is in us. And it's just what he said, that we actually have value, I'm going to say it weirdly, independent of Jesus, but that doesn't mean we're apart. But we, are himself, we ourselves have intrinsic value. And I think that's something that's really, especially those that grew up in a legalistic place, that's a really hard thing to receive is that I, not I with Jesus in me, but I actually have value. Now Jesus brings in the fellowship, the joy, the unity, perichoresis, all these things, but it's going to be hard to truly know the value you have if you always feel that you only, that you have no intrinsic value, that you have to have Jesus in order to have value. Now, of course, without Jesus, life is yeah, rough. Yeah. Yeah, so that's saying live without Jesus. He was the gift that defined right. our value. Yeah. And we have, it says, you know, the Father, God so loved the world. That's right. He didn't say, I so loved that you had Jesus in you already, and that's because why you were good. It was, yeah. no, I loved the world. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. That's, that's brilliant. Anybody else? Okay. <laughs> Go on, Amy. just uh, the context of knowing our own value. Uh, I remember one day God spoke to me and said, Amy, if a servant washes your feet or washes someone's feet, just doing their job. If I, am, if I identify simply as a servant and I wash your feet, I'm doing my job. If I identify as a king and I wash your feet, I'm imparting value and worth. It's an entirely different thing. And so when we know our value... We can impart. We are imparting worth and value into the world. We're revealing their value and their worth. We're, we're honoring. But if I'm just a servant, a sinner saved by grace, and that's it, then when I serve the world, I'm just doing my job. I'm doing my job. That's it. But if I'm a king, if I'm a son of God, and I give, and I'm loving the world, I'm imparting something that awakens their conscience to who they really are. So we have to know it. That's a pretty good 45-second sermon right there. <laughs> this is one of the beauties of, of just making time and taking the, you know, 
having the courage to, to speak what the Lord's got in your heart. All right. Because what brought into what I what I'm remembering, Diane asked me earlier this week, what do you think the message of the gospel is? And I started with a few different things, but it took me back to a time when Larry asked that question. Do you guys remember that? That was about what, four or five years ago. He would give us two minutes and we would get to, and I'm just like, the gospel, the message of the gospel is that you matter. We can fill that in with a lot of stuff, but the gospel message is that you matter. You are the pearl of great price. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah. I think like what you were saying, Dan, we confuse the the method of the gospel, which was sending Jesus and him dying and rising and all. We confuse that with the message. And I, I think that and there's probably other ways to express it, but I would agree hundred percent, Jason. The message of the gospel is that you matter. The method of the gospel is that God sent his son to prove it. To confirm it. And you're right, Dan, that challenges a false sense of humility and safety that some of us have constructed with doctrine over the years. Um, I remember back in the early days of uh, Jesus' movement, um, Vicki went to a church and they had the finger up, you know, this way. And she asked what that was. And I'll, I'll probably butcher the story. You can tell it better, babe. But what's, it's just Jesus. It's nothing of us, nothing of us. I understand the sentiment, and it's great to recognize that without him, uh, we would be without hope. But we would be people of value without hope. I mean, it's one of those, if you keep following the logic, or keep asking yourself the question, even if we believed penal substitutionary atonement, well, Jesus had to die because God's mad at you. Okay, why did he make that deal? Yeah. Because you matter. Yeah. (laughs) And he wants it. He wanted to have you. So even in that, if you follow and keep asking the question, ultimately it's, you matter, matter. and God wants you reconciled. And, and the God who sees things as they are sees yeah. your value. Yeah, so no matter how you go, just keep asking the question, and you'll yeah. find out you matter. Yeah. Praise God. Well, all right. I don't want to cut anybody off, but I'm going to. We'll get a chance to meet again later. Yes, Vicki. I'm not going to cut my wife off. Okay. So, for those of you that don't know, the Wanamakers are not here tonight because they're celebrating their 50th anniversary. And so, I get this text in the middle of service at 7:08, and Tommy says, "I got to tell you, we just checked into Cheyenne Mountain Resort for our anniversary tonight." And they gave us an upgrade to the presidential suite. (laughs) She goes, OMG. 
How precious is that for the Lord to do that for them? They have just, uh, Tom's tribute to her on Facebook and everything is just really beautiful. But what a wonderful, wonderful gift. So they've got two nights in the presidential suite. So, nice. And they deserve it. Yes, they do. Amen. All right, well, we've got some worship tonight. Uh, as you are worshiping, as you are conscious of the Lord's presence and His worth in this worship, realize that He is the marker of your value. And what Dave said, the head cannot say. Why? You mean there's something Jesus can't say? <laughs> the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. He wouldn't because he, he knows your value. He knows he's the one that made us. All things were made by him and for him, through him. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. He knows, and he responded to that knowledge. So he's leading us into our own value, our own role, our own place. And I think we're in for a, an amazing journey. So, praise God.